O Lord God, it is good at any time to approach thy throne of grace, but there is a special blessings when we can do so as a congregation to come to thee, dear Father, and ask of thee a blessing out of thy good and holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would like to read and meditate with the Lord's help out of the Word of God as found in John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that said he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbled not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbled, because there is no light in him. This thing said he, And after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest in sleep. Then then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. 
But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews, when we, then, which were with her in the house, comf- and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he had been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou heardest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hands and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Lose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we do? What do we? 
For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest the same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple, What think ye, that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it, and they might take him. I've read the whole chapter. It's a long chapter, and we read all of it. Somehow I feel the Word of God is way more important than anything that we can add and say. Somebody said that most of the miracles that Jesus did, they were in Galilee, actually, about the Sea of Galilee. But yet he did also some miracles in Jerusalem. And we see the reaction of the people. When you take the Bible, you know, there is no other book that is so factual, so sobering in the account that it gives of what happened. You can go for yourself to those places that it mentions here. And for some money, people will take you there and say, here, here it happened, so forth. So also here, you know, the tomb of Lazarus, they say, this is it, this is it. You look at it, is it maybe? But definitely, somewhere there it is. What do you make of it? Can you believe it? We read here <clears throat> about a dying and a resurrection that was witnessed by many, many people. And not only those that were favorable to Jesus, but also those that were against him. And yet we see that in spite of what was done and was acknowledged 
was acknowledged by his enemies. He said, they cannot deny it. Yet they chose to not believe the message that he brought. Men can do this. Although you can see those <clears throat> a lot of evidence in the ruins that you see over there, and history from other nations that are not questions or doubted, but yet there are even those that deny the very existence of uh, a temple that's mentioned here. Outright denial to choose to disbelieve. Man has such a, a power in himself that he can disbelieve. But what about believing in view of all the evidence that you see? <clears throat> to some, especially in their young years, it may seem, you know, I have time. I have time to make a decision. And when I look sort of people that I know and hear about their lives, I hear of those that did come to the church, were raised in a believing family, and did choose to go and experience the world because they felt they were too young to make a decision, such an important decision now. And they felt they deprived themselves of some of the things that this world got to offer. And you find a life of struggle. Yes, they got married, they had families, but often it was a struggle. It was a lot of pain, it was a lot of sorrow. And then late in their life, they finally make a decision that affects their eternity. Late in their life, wasted years, a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow. And in spite of the evidence that you can see around those people that don't order their life according to what the Bible teaches, but goes on with them, you know, they disbelieve it. Well, I'm going to do it better. In Ecclesiastes, we read, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, before the days come when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. I have no pleasure in them. Don't waste it. Now Jesus, <clears throat> in the previous chapter, he, he was, they wanted to kill him. Because he said he and his father are one. You know, the Jews, they considered God their father, and they said, well, we have one father, God, even. But they, they said it in a, in a plural sense. But if somebody comes and says, my father, that was blasphemy to them. And yet Jesus had to say those things. He had to say those things because the very fact of who he was and what he did. All our salvation hangs on it. 
Life eternal is on it, and it had to be said. That's the big truth that Jesus came to witness and that he had to speak. And at the beginning, you know, people gathered and came and saw those miracles and and were fed, and, oh, they really loved it, they liked it, all of that. But then when it comes to the very truth for which he came, the necessary, the supremely necessary truth to declare unto them, then you find the people divide up. Some, as we read the chapter, say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the God. And others would consider it blasphemy. But did not the facts speak for themselves? Did not simple reading and accepting what it says point to that? They wanted to kill him, so it it says he went beyond Jordan, where John the Baptist was, uh, did baptize before, in Bethabara. And Bethany, which was close to Jerusalem, it says 15 furlongs, which makes it about three kilometers. And Lazarus was sick. Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, a close-knit family, a loving family. Jesus felt welcome many times there and was hosted. It was, they were a well-liked family. You can even tell by many Jews that did come from Jerusalem to share in their grief. And here Lazarus was sick. You know, sick when we hear about it, it's one thing, but when it touches us, then it's another thing. Yeah. And to young people, you no know, sickness seems to be so remote. But the days come. You know, and there's a saying, you gotta die of something. And some experience sickness, grievous sickness, a lot of pain. And that very fact, you know. Some take to be offensive. I know of somebody that I cannot believe in a God that would allow little children to die or to suffer so terribly. Who oh, they are angry at God. From what little they know, they're angry at Him and don't stop to consider what else the Bible says and, and to look for the reason, the root cause of all of this the very root cause of sickness and death. <clears throat> In our time, we're so sophisticated and so much is spent on research and they find remedies for this and that and then works for a while and then it doesn't work. And then they find out there is built-in decay in us going right back to the sin of Adam. There is decay built in us. They call it genetics. And they get to the point where they, they think they are able to pinpoint what kind of sickness you're going to get in your lifetime. But if you look at it soberly and say, well, if this is so, and this decay and corruption increases over time, it points to a time when there was no corruption. And we know when that time was. 
So you may think you are invincible because you are young and you feel great, but you may have built in corruption till it manifests itself. And then what? Then it's not just something that you hear of somebody, but it touches you. Some sicknesses, you know, we don't notice them. They're very slow. You just get tired. And then comes the day of revelation when they find out, oh, you are beset with this. You haven't got much time. Now hurry. What you make of life that's left. Hurry up. Remember now thy creator in the days of the youth. Because you don't know tomorrow. And Lazarus was sick. And they turned to help where the help they knew there was. And they sent for Jesus. And it was probably at least a day's journey, if not more, more than 30 kilometers. to tell them, whom, whom thou lovest is sick. And they were hoping that he would come in time, and as he did in other instances, heal them. No, just a touch, just a word. But Jesus chose otherwise, in the perfect will of the Father. And, and sometimes when something terrible happens and, and we are at loss, at loss for an explanation, don't know. Don't turn angry against God. Don't turn against God. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, and that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And he knew what he was going to do. But what if it besets us and we don't know what he, what is going to be the end? Can it make a difference how I accept and believe it that it be to the glory of God and for abundant blessings? Maybe not here in this life. See, if we expect to get our blessings in this life, that's all. The Apostle Paul said, then, if that's the case, then we are of the people the most miserable. We put up with this. We don't indulge in those things that the world has to offer. We, and yet, if there is no hope, if there is no life eternal, what's the point? Let us eat, let us drink, for tomorrow we die. And it's for you to decide what you want to believe. It's you, and that's going to make the difference. Is that going to make the difference? Then Jesus abode still two more days where he was. He didn't rush back. And by the time he got back, it was four days already that he had died. And it's not like in our time where the funeral home prepares and, and, and cools and you can postpone for days a funeral. In those days, in that country, somebody died, you had to take care of it immediately. And even then, 
it was necessary sometimes to use a lot of spices and aromatic things to, to, to cover the stench. And Martha puts it so simply, says, by this time it stinks. No embellishment. Is God so great that he can raise those that even are decayed? Is God so great that he even can, can raise those that for the kingdom of God's sake that they believed in have been destroyed, even burned? Apostle Paul speaks in, in Corinthians and says, this is not the body that's going to rise. It's going to be an incorruptible body. Incorruptible. But for some, that incorruptibleness will mean an eternity of suffering. And to describe that suffering, the Bible uses some words, but it's, it's, it's hard to grasp what that means, really. At least I find it hard. But to be separated from God is going to be a suffering. In some of the hymns that the choir sang lately, it says, and, and God shall be our joy for eternity. The presence of God shall be a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Something that we cannot grasp in this mortal body. He shall be our joy in eternity. If it was just heaven and not God, what an eternity without him. But to be separate from God, it's going to be a great suffering. The shortest verse is found in here. It says, Jesus wept. And the people that came from Jerusalem said, how he loved him. Couldn't he have healed him so he wouldn't die? Do we at times want to make God small in those things and don't see the bigger picture that we should perceive in faith? The bigger picture. You know, when you're unfamiliar with suffering, it, it, it takes all your attention. It shortens your vision. But when you have been familiar with suffering, when you have overcome, then your vision grows. Your vision grows. And those that went through much suffering, they have a heavenly vision. Like the Apostle Paul had said, for me, you know, to depart from here is gain. And it's far better to be with Christ. But he said, for your sake, it's good that I'm still here. God's purpose in his doing may not be apparent to us, but that's where the trust comes that we are not in control. He is in control and he means well for those that fear him. And I cannot do away with the word fear. I cannot do away. Some would want to do away with the word fear. Say, oh, it's not really. 
But even this same writer here, John, after going through all the experiences he did, when he saw in his glory Jesus, because he still was in the flesh, he trembled and fell as dead. How can you claim not to have fear? And sometimes we do need a good portion of healthy fear, especially when we try to toy with sin. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. See, not God only draws and tells us in in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, but he tells us also how terrible the fear of God is. How, whom we should fear, whom we ought to fear, because he is able to cast both body and soul in hell. Not the devil. The devil doesn't govern hell. That's a misrepresentation. He doesn't even owe the key to hell. He cannot decide whom should go there. Jesus in Revelation says, I have the key of death and hell. I have it, and I have overcome. As to the resurrections, here they had evidence that God could resurrect somebody that already was decaying. And some, sad to say, chose to disbelieve chose to disbelieve. This man does many miracles. Now let's kill him. And that was not enough. If you would read on in the next chapter, it says, and they wanted to kill Lazarus. Because of him, many Jews went and believed. But how much did they really believe? You know, we find the disciples agreeing with these things. But when it, when it came down to it, when Jesus was <clears throat> taken captive and tortured and crucified, they all left. Because as yet they didn't know the scripture. Although they had heard many times Jesus speak of what was going to happen, yet it didn't sink in. See how how faith is so affected by what we want to believe. By what we want to believe. And that's why it's so precious that things are recorded in the word. And nobody that can read has any excuse. He can read for himself. You know, the other day we spoke about the debates that they had. I hadn't seen it myself. In the public, they had debates with so-called Christians and other religions. And they point out, see what the Christians do, see what this, see what that. They don't know the scripture. If calling yourself a Christian is enough to be considered a Christian, if a nation in which you are born is called a Christian nation, you are a Christian then. That's sad. But Jesus put it down simply, he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's going to be the defining. And not what men say, but what God says. And said already, Jesus wept. 
and I don't think it was so much. At least that's how I understand it. His love, yes, he loved Lazarus, and he loved Martha and Mary, but he was grieved, it says. He groaned in the spirit at all this crying, at all this you know, show of emotion and so forth. And he was there, you know, when he wanted them to believe. And he told <clears throat> Martha, says, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. And then Mary comes with the same question, says, if you had been here, he would not have died. And he groaned again. Where have you laid him? Of course he knew, but they removed the stone and he cries with a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth. Somebody once said, had he just said, come forth, maybe many more would have come. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible tells us that it's going to come a time when all that are in the graves, all shall hear his voice and shall come forth. And shall come forth. But some to condemnation and some to resurrection of life. They shall all come forth, even those that denied him, even those that wanted to kill him, even those that said there is no such thing. They shall all come forth. They will all obey, even if they didn't want to. Now, the evidence, Jesus resurrected a few people during his ministry from dead. The son of the widow of Nain, I remember. This one, Right now, I'm not aware of any other. He did. But the evidence that God gives of the resurrection to come is that Jesus Christ himself rose from the dead. The evidence that he is the Son of God is his resurrection from the dead. In Romans, I believe it says, and declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. Who was resurrected? <clears throat> who was delivered? Who suffered and died for our, for our sins? And was res- resurrected for our justification? It's, of course, justification of them that believe. See, without faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no salvation, no eternal life, true eternal life, as opposed to eternal suffering. And God made so sure that this dying and suffering of Jesus Christ would be witnessed would be recorded, would be 
made so sure that he was dead and then resurrected him, made so sure. There, at that time, history tells us there were, it's hard to believe when you go there and see that place, but that must have been really crowded. Millions, according to Josephus, millions came to the feast. Witnesses. That's why Apostle Paul could say, this was not done in a corner. And he challenged King Agrippa, do you believe? And Agrippa could not deny it. It happened. It happened. And then God gives evidence of this event by the many witnesses that not only call themselves Christian, and they don't use that word often, but are willing to live and die for that witness. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That will of ours that we may choose, may we choose wisely. To him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <clears throat> the rain really comes down, and as I was sitting there, it reminded me of the times of Noah. <clears throat> Jesus said, When he returns, it shall be like in the times of Noah. Many, many people will not believe that the end is near. They will not. But when it came down, and it hadn't rained before, but then when it started to rain and kept down, and the waters rose, there were many believers. They all had no problem believing then. It's going to be that way too when the Lord returns. It says that they shall marry, given into marriage, they shall do this, they shall do that. They shall think it's going to go on. Till Noah entered in the ark and the flood came and took them all. And the Lord warns us, like, we have much less excuse now than those times in the time of Noah. Because the Lord warned us warned us. Let's order our lives accordingly. To him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.